We are in a series called Signs of Greatness, and in fact, today is our last week of the miracles as we're walking through the seven signs in the Gospel of John, the seven signs in the Gospel of John. And, and he shared with us in John chapter 20 that the reason he recorded those signs was that we might believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Lord, help us understand the breadth of who you are, the power that you have, the authority that you have, and... And, and so that's what we've been walking through as we've walked through the Gospel of John. Teach us from your signs. And, you know, today being the seventh sign, we're going to end up closing it up next week, which is sort of putting our arms around the whole of it. But as we close up with the last sign this morning, Jesus is having one of those weeks in this uh, passage we're going to be looking at. You know what I'm talking about? This is the kind of week where, uh, well, quite frankly, he's misunderstood. He's accused. He's corrected. Have you ever been corrected by the clueless? Like they think they know what they're talking about and they're going to help you understand exactly how it should be and they have absolutely no clue what's really going on. That's what we're going to be looking at this morning is Christ and his unbelievable patience as he reveals the final sign and really in many ways the greatest sign right before he goes to the cross to make his provision for you and for me and to resurrect from the dead. So turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 11. We're going to go verses 1 through 44. John chapter 11. We got ushers coming forward. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you. We're going to walk verse by verse through this. So just raise your hand. They'll get one to you. All right. John chapter 11. So this is Jesus showing the sign that he has the power over death. That he has the, the ability to bring life where there is not life. Jesus Christ has high authority. And Lord, how should we respond to you in that? That's the question we're answering today. Lord, how should we respond to you in the midst of you having that power? So remember, these are narratives. These are stories. And because of it, we're breaking it down where we're going to go through two parts. One is the story part. And uh, what's happening with the people and the players and the scenes and the settings. And then the second part is the sign. What's the big picture? What are you trying to say about your power and your authority? Okay. So those are our two passes through it this morning. So let's get started with the story. Get the details. So the first step for us, trust Jesus' timing no matter how bad it looks. Trust Jesus' timing no matter how bad it looks. You're going to find that phrase repeated this morning every time, no matter how bad it looks, all right? So trust the timing of the Almighty. Here we go. We'll start in chapter 11. It says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So Lazarus was sick. Hey, we've heard about sickness before. Jesus can handle sickness. Not a problem, right? He knows how to heal. We're, we're fine. And, and so Lazarus is ill. Mary and Martha know about it. They care about Lazarus. And, and so they figure Jesus might have some answer. Well, who is this Mary and Martha? It was Mary, verse 2, who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. You see, Mary's the one who came running in the room and dropped to her knees, poured the oils on his feet, absolutely just dried and washed his feet with her hair, and the people around were horrified. What is she doing wasting all that money, number one? And number two, that's a pretty serious worship going on there. Be careful. We're not really into idols around here, and don't put a person in the place of God Almighty. And see, they weren't even understanding who Christ was, and... That's this Mary. Mary who grasped Jesus Christ's authority 
and Martha, her sister. Remember that little story of Mary and Martha? And Martha comes out and she's dealing with Jesus and talking with them a little bit about how dare Mary not get on it. Right? Like, what is she doing not taking care of the people? And she just sits at your feet and listens and I'm doing all the work. Martha, pretty tied into doing what's right. Keep that in mind. You're going to see that come up in just a little bit in the story here. So Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, and Lazarus is sick. It says, verse 3, so the sisters sent to Jesus saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Nothing like sending a message with a little bit of message in it. You know what I'm saying? Lord, do you really care? Because I'm telling you the one you love is really sick. And and so we're expecting some things from you. And they're very, very close to Jesus. Yeah, Jesus and Lazarus were tight. Jesus and Mary and Martha were tight. These people are all very close, okay? Everybody just say close. Hey, they had a close relationship. That's what's going on. This wasn't just some random people. They were in a very tight relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, please come. The one you love is ill. Wink, wink, hint, hint. We expect some things from you. When Jesus heard this, he said, this illness does not lead to death. In other words, don't worry about it. No problem. Death is not the final, not the final end here. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. This illness has a purpose and it's not death. I'm not afraid of it. I'm not worried about it. I'm not concerned. We've got it under control. Now just imagine, for those of you who know this story and know where we're headed with it, imagine when you hear words like, it's not about death and then death comes. Imagine how you feel about Christ and his miss on that that's where they're going to be wrestling throughout the rest of the story when jesus heard it he said this illness does not lead to death it's not it is for the glory of god so that the son of god may be glorified through it this is going to be all about his glory his glory may god be lifted up right that's the situation we're always in Whatever situation you're struggling with, remember this. It's about his glory. Lord, how can you be shown off in the midst of? Lord, what do you want to train me in? What do I need to adjust in my thinking so that those around me might be able to see you more clearly? All about his glory. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, meaning causal, he loves them. Here's the end result. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer. What? What's up with that? You you find out somebody's sick and they're in dire need and and you love them to die. You really, really care about them. And so I'm just going to hang here for a couple more days. What's he doing? Well, this is going to be a faith stretching time for him. This is a time for their hearts to be challenged, for their faith To really be stretched and understanding more of who he is than they ever have before. So Jesus puts two more days on his trip. And he hangs there in the place that he was. After this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. Now, don't forget the word clueless. Because it's going to come up a lot here. All right. Everybody just say clueless. Don't forget that word. It's going to be kind of important. It sort of makes this whole passage rather humorous. All right. Let us go to Judea again, Jesus says. So the disciples said to him, Rabbi, 
the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Are you going there again? I don't know if you can say this with enough tone. Okay? Like you have to be able to get enough wine in this thing that you hear them absolutely saying, I know so much more than you. Apparently, you have fallen asleep and hit your head on a rock. And you have forgotten that rocks are being aimed at your head right now. They're thinking about stoning you. And that's the place you want to go back to. Nice plan. I disagree with it. I'm now challenging you, Lord. Consider changing your vision and your thoughts. Jesus answers. I love this answer. Are there not 12 hours in the day? Just picture people beginning to look up and off to the left now. You got to picture that. Remember clueless, right? Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble. What? Remember, we're talking about stoning and Jesus is talking about tripping, right? Because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. Now, it doesn't say the disciples' response here, okay? And, I, and there is a sense that Jesus is saying, remember the light of the world and not tripping. And, and so they might be beginning to grasp, okay, Jesus, light of the world, not sure what you're saying, somehow trust in you. Okay, I guess I get that. I'm telling you they're clueless. How do you know? Just wait. We're about to hit it in the next verse, okay? So I'm telling you, they're missing it. They're not totally getting it. And Jesus is giving them a wonderful understanding of, I'm in the world, man. And while I'm here, we're going to make some big impact in God's glory. And I'm telling you, these lives are going to be transformed. And now's the time for us to get there because God's going to be doing some great things. And when I'm gone from this place, night is here. That is not the time to be traveling into Judea. Okay, that's kind of his little message. After this, he says to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I go to awaken them. The disciples say to them, remember the word, clueless. Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Somehow they felt it was necessary to teach him that if you fall asleep, you'll wake up. (laughs) And they felt this was a really important point to make. Jesus, I think... I think Lazarus' mom has it under control. I think she can reach over and go, Lazarus, wake up. Like if he's just asleep, let somebody else have the job of pushing him a little bit so he wakes up. And we'll call that recovering, if you will. He's asleep, Jesus, in a place you're going to get stoned. Seriously, do we have to go there and wake the guy up? Are you kidding me? Okay, Jesus, now deciding that he needs to... Bring it down to their level. John says, then Jesus told them plainly. Now remember, John is one of them. The author recording this is one of them. And he throws himself under the bus here. He's like, then he finally told them, me, plainly, Lazarus has died. Oh, Now we understand what you're talking about, right? Can you imagine their faces when he said, he's falling asleep and we have to go. And then they're like, no, come on. He's going to be, you, anybody can wake him up. You got to be kidding. Guys, 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 guys. By sleep, it was a euphemism. I meant dead. Oh, sorry. I guess you know what you're talking about. 
right? And so in that moment now, he's made it a little more clear. Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there. Remember, I held off two days. And this is for God's glory all over the place, including yours. Now you get to learn. So that you may believe, but let us go to him. And now Thomas... Remember back to Easter Sunday when we were talking about doubting Thomas, right? And Thomas was the guy who was like, I have to see the nail marks. I have to see the marks on his side. I got to see to believe. So Thomas decides to give this one up. Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, hey, let's all go so we can all die with him. (laughs) Have you ever had one of those weeks where the people you're hanging with are just not quite getting it? And Jesus is trying to introduce them to a miracle about to happen, to his glory revealed. And what does Thomas catch? Well, I guess he's going to go get stoned. I guess I'll go with him. Here we go. Let's go with Jesus. We'll all pay the price. Let's go. And so the wrestling of the clueless as Jesus is beginning to inform them that he has power even over life and death. You know, these guys had some trust problems. They weren't quite gathering what was going on and they weren't quite understanding the next step And quite frankly, they certainly didn't understand the timing and mary and martha wrestling especially with it sitting with their brother who was sick and then sicker And then extremely sick And then passed away in that two-day period of time Somewhere in that two days where they were hanging out. Jesus made it clear. Lazarus has now died He's aware of what's taking place Trust. What does it mean to really trust Jesus and his timing? What does it mean to grasp what Christ is doing in the midst of your life? Well, I just wrote this down. Four things we need to do if we're going to have true trust. Four things we need to do if we're going to have true trust. You ready? Number one is see God in all of his love, wisdom, and power. See God in all of his love, wisdom, and power. We've talked about these three together before. Love, wisdom, and power. God loves. That means he wants the best for you. Wisdom, he knows what's best. He doesn't just want it, but he knows what to get. And power, he can deliver the best. That's just the first step. Make sure you recognize in true trust, make sure you recognize God's love, wisdom, and power. See his character. See him for who he is. If we don't see God for who he is, it gets kind of hard to trust him. In fact, we start to become experts of the problem and And then we really start losing the trust. So first step is trust God in his character. Second, see God is in charge of all. Hey, it's more than just his character. It's his sovereignty. You're over everything. Now, what do we mean by sovereignty? Two pieces to it. It doesn't just mean God controls and manipulates and makes everything happen. Some think of it that way. And and part of it is God actually dictating and mandating pieces. But there are other things where God's not mandating and dictating and making it happen as much as he's allowing it. His hand is letting it. Everything runs through his hand. Picture it that way. And, and, and what goes through his hand, he allows. And some things he makes happen and other things he allows to happen. But everything is ensured by the sovereignty of God. Man, we have to grasp that. And as we begin to trust him, we see his character impeccable. His authority absolutely sovereign now we're starting to get god a little bit okay so trust the third step where you're strong every problem put into his power every problem put into his power this is where you're strong 
Like I understand what God's doing and, and I see what's going on and I, and I grasp what's happening and I get your timing enough, Lord. And, and so I trust you with this. Where you're strong, put it in his hands. Hang on. I would have guessed where you're strong, handle it yourself. Yeah, see, that's what we all try to do, right? Where we feel we're strong, we're like, I got this one. And now we try to handle it all me, me power, me world, me wisdom. And actually we end up getting ourselves into a real thick spot. It's not our job to handle on our own. It's Lord, I give this to you and I'm trusting you. Where I'm strong, I trust you. So last step, where I'm weak, well, that's where you say, please, Lord, change me, grow me, strengthen me. You see, true trust is about everything in his hands. That's true trust. Lord, I'm laying it all before you. Let's make sure we get there with how we're living our lives. So here's my question. What are you going through this week, this month, or this year where you need to truly trust? I mean, everything goes into his hands. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your education. Maybe it's friendships or a career. Maybe it's some things going on with family and family relationships. Lord, everything in your hands. I'm trusting you. Are you ready to trust him with all you got? Maybe here's the more direct question. Which of the four elements do you need to work on the most with him right here and right now? Grasping his character. Love, wisdom, and power. Grasping his sovereignty and control of it all. Or handing it over where you feel strong. Maybe you're taking too much on yourself. Or maybe it's where you're weak. You're letting it collapse you just instead of saying, Lord, please change me. Are you ready to hand it to him that he might be glorified? Truly trust him with his timing. It seems like he's late to the game. God's doing something. It seems like he doesn't know what's going on. Really? Really? Is that what we think God's doing? Like he's clueless, we're not. That's our game plan. Let's be careful that we leave the sovereign, omniscient, like he knows everything, God of the universe, in charge of the universe. And let's trust him with all we've got. All right? Trust and trusting his timing. That's the first step we learn in this passage. Second one, trust Jesus' power. No matter how bad it looks. Trust Jesus' power. No, no matter how bad it looks. Remember, the first was his timing. Now it's his power. <clears throat> Remember again, no matter how bad it looks. So here we go. Starting in verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. How long had he been in the tomb? Four days. That's a long time. All right, this is in an era where there was not embalming. This is in an era where there was not preparing of the body where things could last for weeks or whatever. This was in an era where the day they died, you wrapped them up and you got them in a tomb and you sealed it off. Because quite frankly, to be direct, things began to decay very quickly. Okay. And so four days, John's like, I'm just saying big deal. Right. And well, are you sure he was dead? Four days, man. I, I, I'm just saying, are you sure he was dead? Four days. No food, no water, sealed tomb, four days. Are you sure it would have been that bad? Four days. You know what I mean? Like he's making a big point that there is a clarity 
to the finality of this death. Some have tried to make a big deal out of the four number and try to say it's beyond a thing that the Jews thought it would happen at three days. And none of that is stated here. I want to be really careful to go too far with that. I'll just tell you this. Four days, long time. Clearly, we can get that out of it. Okay? All right. So he's been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Many of them had come to console. In other words, this was probably a pretty prominent family. Fairly well known. A lot of the Jews decided to come and care for him, tried to take care of him. This ended up, these, these moments where people came to weep with them, they were like prolonged visitations. We're talking like week-long visitations. Anytime you cried... The rest of them around you would weep, right? Weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. And so they, they would long with you. They would mourn with you. They would cry with you. They would bring into the atmosphere a sound of tears and sorrow and absolute weeping. That's what these people were coming to do, okay? And so they've met up with Mary and Martha and they're bringing the weep session with them. And they're making it clear that they are hurting with them. It's, it's a time where Mary and Martha are appreciating that their friends get the pain that they're going through. Many of the Jews had come to console them. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, remember Martha, she's the one who does it right. And she's willing to separate from relationships, right? Martha's like, you got to take care of the tasks at hand. And so Jesus is coming. And remember, Mary and Martha, they're the ones who said, please get here. He might die. And so Martha, she's still doing what's right. And, and in this case, it's like, well, when guests are coming, you have to go greet them, right? And so Martha, she goes out to meet Jesus as he is coming. But Mary, well, Mary remains seated in the house. Her primary relationship at that point, Lazarus, and hurting over the loss of her brother. The relationship-focused person and the task-focused person, right? And so Martha has come out to do the greeting. Mary's sitting at home. Martha says to Jesus, get ready for the clueless. Get ready for the accusation. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Ouch. Like this is a moment where Martha has just decided to accuse Jesus. He is walking up. He is coming to the time of grief. And as he's approaching, she comes up and says, this wouldn't have happened if you'd have been here on time. Mister. Right? There's a little bit of deep accusation in this. Like, what are you thinking about? And how many times do we find ourselves doing that with God? Your timing is ridiculous. And I know better. And I'm telling you, we could have avoided these pains if, and, and, and had you thought this through a little bit more, like me, we would have come to the same conclusion. It should have gone down like this. What were you thinking? The accusation and the fist shaking and Martha delivers up the blow to Jesus. How dare you? This could have all been avoided. I've seen you heal. Why didn't you use it here? But even now... Whatever you ask from God, God will give you. I'm trying. I'm wrestling with my faith, right? Has this not so much like us? Uh, like, Lord, I'm against you. But I'm trying to believe, Lord. 
and, and so help me here. And, and Martha's trying to be very real with where she's at. I hear you. I'm struggling. I'm hurting. I'm not good with. But Lord, I know that you can still do something. I'm not sure what I just said. Martha. She's beginning to try to trust in his power. She's beginning to try to put faith in him in the midst. It doesn't say if Jesus made a facial expression and that's why she turned the corner. It doesn't say what's going on, but somehow Martha voices an accusation followed by faith. I believe you've got it. If God honors you, this can happen. She says, whatever you ask, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. How much does Martha have it? Well, listen to her answer. Martha says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus, you need a little bit of Consolation 101 class. Like, this doesn't really help me that much. I want you to understand that theology broad is already grasped here. Please, I miss my brother. I'm talking about right here, right now. Are you ready to bring him back here and now? I understand that one day there will be the resurrection. Thank you for that. I'm talking about a loss today, mister. Right? I mean, the accusation is amazing as Martha's talking with him, and she completely misses that Jesus just gave an amazing promise. Your brother will rise again. Look, I got to tell you, I think Jesus is smiling when he's saying this. It doesn't say it, but I got to believe your brother will rise again. Like, trust me on this, Martha. Some good things are in store today. You wouldn't believe what's about ready to come down. Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again. A little bit of lip. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. All right. You can't get more emphatic than that, right? Do you believe that I'm the resurrection and the life? And that I'm telling you, if you believe in me, no death. Do you get that? Yes, Lord. And now she says, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. Three recognitions here. I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God. And you're coming into the world, the Messiah, the Christ. Hey, I believe that you have authority, position, that you are the son of God. And I believe that you have power and that you're coming into this world. And I believe that you are bringing salvation, authority and power and salvation. Like I'm telling you, that's what it means to trust in Christ. When we believe in his authority and his power and his provision of salvation. When we're leaning on him as the one in charge of the universe, that's when we're beginning to get this belief thing that John's talking about in just a few chapters, John 20. I'm writing these things that you might believe. Martha displays that belief. She says, I believe you're the son of God. John's like, see, I told you. The signs make an impact on your heart. The sign hasn't even yet happened. It's just a promise of the sign. And Martha's already turning the corner. I'm telling you, that's what this is all about. Now notice it says, when she, Martha, had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here 
And he's calling for you. Like, I got to believe at the moment that Martha came to this recognition, she's sitting there going, I'm in. No, like, I'm all in. I'm telling you, I'm so in. I see your power, your authority. I see what it's all about. And you want me to get married? I'll get married. Done. Hang on. And then, boom, she's off to get married, right? She brings Mary. She's like, the teacher wants to talk to you. Get up. Let's go. Come on. You got to talk to him. And when Mary heard... She rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were there with her in the house, consoling her, saw her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her. Remember, this is the morning crew, M-O-U-R-N, right? This is the weeping crew. And so they see Mary getting up to apparently go weep somewhere else, probably the tomb, right? And so it says, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there, they got up to go with her. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. Now, if this is you and me, would you not go, what is up with you people? Like, wouldn't there be a point where you'd finally go, that's it. Have you two been talking? That's like the exact same quote Martha just gave me. It's like you two sat down and you decided it's all against Jesus day. Is that what today is? It's all against Jesus. These people hurt my feelings, right? And now you start wandering around and you complain. You complain about the people who have been mean to you and harsh to you. Isn't that what we do? Is it just me? Don't leave me hanging up here. Is this just me? How dare they? And right. And that's not Jesus response. The beauty is that we have a God who's so strong and so great and so mighty. And he's so willing to walk us through and take our hearts from one degree of glory to the next. To transform us from unsaved to saved that he puts up with a lot in the midst. And in the midst of this, Mary very clearly comes back to the same accusation. If you'd have been here. Like I think you have the power to heal the flu. I've seen that. I've even seen you heal long-term disability, but I've never seen this death thing conquered, so I have no faith here. It's over. My brother's gone, and I'm saddened by it. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, the weeping crew was there, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Deeply moved and greatly troubled. I got to tell you, I really wrestled with this uh, these couple of words and I just want you to know that there's probably more frustration and anger in these words than maybe we give credit to Deeply moved we start to say well, he's he's really sad and and he's sorrowful and and that is part of it Okay, that is there but there's also more than that this word in the greek is usually used when you get your ire up a little bit And, and so what's jesus upset about well, I can tell you this Jesus is looking at the penalty and cost of sin right before him. And so let's backtrack and go to 10,000 feet now for a moment. The creator of the universe has designed with perfection in mind the glory and the joy of this universe so at his fingertips and he absolutely knows what it was to be like. And he is now standing here with the one he loves, Lazarus, and the sisters, and he is seeing the impact of sin itself. The devastation in this world. Do you think that would get your ire up a little bit as the creator of the universe? 
This is not the way it was to be. Right? So there's got to be some of that going on. And then there's more of the cluelessness of them not getting it and the accusation of him and not seeing him for who he is. I'm telling you in the midst of this, Jesus is seeing the hurt and the impact of sin. And it's moving him deeply. A bit to sorrow and a bit, well, quite frankly, to a little bit of a troubled or tempered kind of statement. Jesus is struggling with the fact that Lazarus, his friend, is lost. He says, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Shortest verse in scripture. And everybody says, (laughs) how do we know that? The little things of life, right? Hey, what's the longest verse in scripture? I have no idea, but I can tell you the shortest, right? Our mind loves to memorize the quick and the easy. Jesus wept. I'm telling you, Jesus wept. He felt what was going on. He had emotion where he was sharing with them. He was feeling with them. He had the frustrations of sin. He had the struggles of loss. Death hurts. The loss in the family is a pain that is a grief that goes on for years. And Jesus is feeling that hurt with them, for them, through them, about them. He's hurting with them. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, here's the struggle. See how he loved him, right? True tears of of pain and loss. While the others said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Always got to have a few accusers out there, right? And, And so why didn't you get on this one, Jesus? And what are you thinking about? And their trust was still fairly low. And man, all in trust, it's a big deal. We need to make sure we're trusting with all we've got, not just with some of what we've got. There, uh, there was a man, he was down in Alabama, and uh, he was uh, extremely thirsty, really hot, humid day. And so as he was driving past, he saw a watermelon stand. And so he stopped to go and buy a slice of watermelon. And as he got up there, it was a dollar and ten cents for watermelon. Uh, he had a dollar and credit cards. Right? So he pulls out the dollar and he's like, what can I get for a dollar? And the guy's like, I've already cut the watermelon as you were coming up. I've already got it sliced. So it's a dollar ten. And he's like, well, all I have is a dollar. And he's like, so what do you want to do? And the guy said, you know what? I'll trust you for it. And he goes, thanks. I appreciate it. So he picks up the watermelon and he turns around, walks away. As he's walking away, he puts the dollar in his pocket. And the guy goes, hey, what are you doing? He said, you said I'm good for it. He goes, you're good for the dime. Not the dollar and ten cents. The guy says, well, that's not trust at all. You were gambling on my integrity with something you were willing to lose on. A dime. How much is that our trust in Jesus Christ? All right, God. I'm holding on to this because I'm not willing to give it to you. I don't know, man. If you don't handle that one right, right? But on this little thing, you know, even if it goes wrong, eh, it's not that big a deal. And so I'll trust you with that one. And we give the little things over. But we try to hold on to the big. We need to be really careful. True trust. All in. Everything is yours, God. I'm trusting you with all I have. Trust. I trust your timing. I trust your power. Everything going on in my life. My kids, their health, my wife, my husband, everything going on. My job, my education, everything going on, Lord. I'm entrusting to you.
You've got it all. Let's make sure we trust him with everything we have. Not just the pieces of what we've got. Trust. Trust his timing. Trust his power. We'll be amazed at what he can do. And then the third one is trust Jesus' commands and promises. Again, no matter how bad it looks. Trust Jesus' commands and promises no matter how bad it looks. Notice it says here, Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. Jesus, arriving at the spot where Lazarus' body is laid, where the full impact of death is felt. As you stand at that spot where your family member or friend is well, at least their body is buried and the hurt and the loss as you process it. Hey, I'll just tell you, uh, in our family, we were not allowed to use the word cemetery for about five years. Uh, we had to call it the park or something else. Uh, there was just too much pain. Uh, my sister had passed away when she was 20. And uh, the processing of that is a tough moment. Standing here at this spot brings deep hurt and grief. You relive it all right then and there. Okay? Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave. A stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, get ready, you're going to see that word dead and died a lot in the next little bit here. John's making a very big point, okay? Uh, so the sister of the dead man, that being Lazarus, said to him, Lord, you know so much. I, I trust you with everything. And is that what she says? Uh, no. Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. You've got to be kidding me. There's no possible way you would want me to do this. And, okay, Lord, again, something not working in your brain, because I'm telling you this is a bad plan. You don't want to do this. And... Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? I'm telling you, my position on this doesn't say it. I got to believe there's a smile on his face. He's drawing her in with trust. This is not as much a scold as it is a promise statement of hope. I'm telling you. The glory of God Almighty is about ready to be unleashed in this place. Get ready. Do you trust me? Answer. So they took away the stone. Like I love, John doesn't even mess around with words now. It doesn't say if they said anything. Who cares? They did what Jesus asked. They followed through. They listened to what he said. They're going to do what he said. They took away the stone. Where the man had been dead for four days. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, get ready. The prayer of our father, or a prayer to our father after a long, hard week. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around. That they may believe that you sent me. Are you hearing it? Jesus is like, Lord, <laughs> Father, I am surrounded by this. 
And so my prayer to you out loud in public so that you all can hear me is I love that you can hear our prayers. Amen to that. Are you hearing it? Like I need you to come along with me on this people. I'm living this out loud that you might grasp God's power. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Now, it doesn't say, and Jesus said. It doesn't say that. It says he cried out with a loud voice. I'm talking about a voice where the people standing around as they heard him pray were kind of listening. They were drawn in. And then he like screams with all he's got. Lazarus! Come out! Are you hearing? It's like at the moment, if you're standing there, you'd have gone. Right? And then your next thing is to go. <laughs> Wouldn't you? I mean, come on. Lazarus, come out. Just say it with me. Lazarus, come out. You've got to be kidding. That echoes around. And the expectation has gone from, I wonder what he's going to do, to, are you serious? Right? And then it says, the man who had died let's all be clear where he's at condition right the man who had died well he came out isn't that nice jesus says lazarus come out and so he came out now that's obedience his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth and i love this part jesus said to them see i told you so is that what he says? He says, now that's what I call glory, people. Now it's time for you all to get what I can do. Now rally around here and let's gather on what I... Is that what he does? No, here's what he says. Time for you to participate in the expression of this glory. That's what he's saying, right? Unbind him and let him go. Hey, you know what the greatest thing about our God is? He doesn't just put his power on display. But he calls us to be a part of the display. He literally asks you to take part with him in it that you might literally experience God's power moving in that place. They're like, unbind him. Do you think there was some laughter? Do you think? As they're like beginning to unwind him, right? And they're like, never done this before. You know what I mean? And they're get unbinding there and right. And I can't believe this. And I hope it's Lazarus in here. Right. <laughs> Who knows what they're saying as they're unwinding and unbinding. Right. And they're saying, this is unbelievable. What God's doing, the power that Jesus Christ has. Are you kidding me? He has the power over life and death. Are you serious? Unbinding. Right. The end of the passage is that phrase. Now, there's a lot that goes on. Notice it just says in the next verse, we're not going to pour through all this, but many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. Do you think? In that moment, would you not be like, whatever you say, 
Just tell me what I need to be understanding and grasping and let's go after it with all we've got. That's our God. That's our king. That's the story. So the sign. Let's make sure we go back to 10,000 feet now. The sign. Get the big picture. So the extent of his power. Hey, our God has power even over death. Amen. Uh, our God has power even over death. Amen? Amen. Our God gives life and life eternal. Our God has everything under control. And he's moving for his glory and for eternity. Our God is never too late. Amen? May we grasp that with all we have. Never too late. Always total authority. Our God follows through on his promises. Amen. Our God gives life and life eternal. That's our hope. I just wrote this down this week. I was trying to think through the best way to express it. The sting of death is nothing for Christ. The brokenness and hurt of this world is no match for his unparalleled power. Watch God work. And that's what we're called to do. May we just be in awe of his hand moving. And may we simply be saying, Lord, where do you want me to stand as your glory is revealed? Lord, what do you want me to do as you show yourself almighty? I'm ready, Lord. What do you want to do in this world? May I trust in you and your timing. May I trust in your power. May I trust in your commands and your promises. All right, that's the extent of his power. One more thing with the sign, the purpose of his ministry. In one chapter back, in John chapter 10, verse 10, this is what Jesus said. The thief comes to kill and destroy. I came that you have, may have life and life abundantly. I come that you may have life and life abundantly. The thief comes to kill and destroy. Are you hearing how he was setting him up? For the experience of Lazarus. The thief comes. Right? We have Satan. We have sin. We have destruction in this world. The thief comes to kill and destroy. And it saddens me. And it sorrows me. And I hurt for you all. And I hurt for me as the king of this universe. This is not the plan that we had in store. But I want you to know this. That's the thief that does that. The king of the universe. I came That you may have life and life abundantly. Life abundantly here. Life abundantly for eternity. Life abundantly. Joy. Overflowing. Can't explain it. Absolutely satisfying joy. That God might get the greater glory. Amen. Hey, that's the sign here. May we grasp that he gives life. That he has authority over death and life and nothing nothing stops our king that's our mighty god we have a god who transforms we have a god who heals we have a god who restores we have a god who protects and provides we have a god who gives sight we have a god who gives life we have a god who moves in this world may he get our full attention he is everything
And we, well, quite frankly, we are the created nothing. Lord, you've got my attention. I'm trusting your timing and your power. I'm trusting your promises and your commands. And I'm doing it with full trust, all in. What do you need from me now, Lord, that you might be glorified? Let's pray.